Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for coming back for another week of fantastic content. I'm your host, Brad Betke, and this is episode 26 of the Box Score Sports Podcast. Uh, a little song we can ride into, me and bro with a vibe or two. Uh, doing shit that I'm not into, to the beat that I'm not into. A little bit of guidance, getting rough, but we never really fight in. And these words in my mind could have ride in. Had to learn that this ain't over. Okay. I like it. A little song we can ride it to. Me and bro with a vibe or two. I fly like the Emirates. Try to be smooth when I'm talking my shit, but my flow is so ignorant. Niggas not getting it like my Ensignes. Welcome back to another week of the Box Score Sports Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks so much for joining me here again. I do apologize for being absent last week, but to make up for it, you guys get an extra super awesome episode this week. Got a lot of good content here. Good things happening. We've obviously known about it. There's some playoff series happening in a couple major sports, and there's a couple other stories and other sports that I want to talk about as well. And a heartfelt message at the end of the episode, so stay tuned for that. To start it off, our first segment, obviously we're going to jump into probably the most popular story or stories in sports right now, and that is the conference finals in the NBA Boston and Miami in the West, and Golden State and Dallas in the East. Real quick, just going to go over. For those that don't know, Boston is up on Miami in the Series 3-2. to two. Golden State is up on Dallas in the Series 3-1. to one. And I want to go over two things for each team in the playoffs right now that I think need to be addressed, the question to be asked, personal opinion, so on and so forth. So to start with the Miami Heat, where's playoff Jimmy Butler? You know, them first few games, he went crazy. I'll admit, I was one of the people that was hyping it up. Oh, my God, playoff Jimmy Butler's unstoppable. Nobody like him. Nobody can do anything like it. But what the hell, man? The first, what, four games of the series, he only had one double-digit game point-wise? I mean, this is just the dude that was dropping 45-5-5 and or something like that consistently. You know what I mean? This is a guy that doesn't crack under pressure, but it looks like he's cracking like a whole case of eggs when you drop it at the grocery store i definitely think we need to be seeing more out of jimmy butler if you if everybody's gonna give him this superstar title he needs to stand to it you don't get to pick and choose when you're gonna play well he's playing on 26 7 minutes plus and putting up eight points seven points that's not acceptable from a superstar you got to get stripped of that title if you can't figure it out and that's just my opinion I appreciate Jimmy Butler. I'm not saying that he isn't a great player all time. But what we're seeing right now is going to be really diminishing on his legacy. And it's really diminishing to the Miami Heat because clearly they need everything that they got. I'm really not sure what's going on with Mr. Butler, but this isn't what we know out of him. This isn't what we have seen out of him. And... If the Heat want to come anywhere close to even coming back in this series, they're going to need Mr. Playoff Jimmy Butler to bring it. Because right now, he ain't doing it. It's as simple as that. Joel Embiid came out with a statement saying that the Heat need another star. I hate to say it, but I agree. You look at the series right now, Boston does not have a lot of superstars. Jason Tatum, superstar. Jalen Brown, star. That's it. 
The rest of the team, you got a couple good players in there. Derek White's a really good role player. Marcus Smart, great defensive player, pretty good role player. Al Horford, definitely not as dominant as a center should be. Doesn't always get the rebounds that he needs to. In my opinion, if you're a starting center in the NBA, anything under 11 rebounds a game is unacceptable. You are the starting center on a team, which means you're at least playing 30 minutes a game. 30 minutes you have the opportunity to get just over three rebounds every 10 minutes. 10 minutes to get three rebounds, and you can't even do that. So I have very low standards for players like Al Horford who was only led in rebounds two of the five games in this series, which, again, unacceptable. You know, so they're not a superstars team, but they've been really consistent. Miami, Jimmy Butler, Goran Dragic, not Goran Dragic, I'm sorry. Tyler Hero, Bam Adebayo, P.J. Tucker, Kyle Lowry. And you're losing? If you asked me before the playoffs started, the second best team in basketball, in my opinion, was the Miami Heat. And they are not showing that. They played really well against the 76ers. For the most part. They were up, what, 3-0 and almost blew it? So, despite losing, I agree with Joel Embiid. I do think Miami needs another star. Because clearly, what they have, which is better than 90% of the teams in the league, is not enough. So what does that tell you? I think they're in a similar situation as the Lakers. They just don't have enough. What they have doesn't work well. Everybody doesn't always show up. Max Strauss. I don't know what kind of performance we got out of him the other night. Zero points? Those are G League stats, my guy. If that's what you're going to do, that's where you belong. Sorry. And Jimmy Butler, where are you, man? You got to show up. So, like I said, I agree with Joel Embiid. I don't think the Miami Heat can win with the state that they're in. And on the contrary, I think that the Celtics make a fantastic case to be NBA champions this year. You look at how consistent that they have played in the playoffs over these few years. I think that speaks for its own. And speaking of which, speaking of Jason Tatum being a superstar... At 24 years and 83 years days old, I'm sorry, Jason Tatum is now the second youngest NBA player in history to reach 1,500 career playoff points. The only player to reach it at a younger age, his idol, Kobe Bryant. Long story short, aka translation, Jason Tatum is that guy. He doesn't need everything that the Heat has, and he's still putting a whooping on him. Jalen Brown has been playing fantastic basketball as well. Had a 40-point game the other evening. Great games out of him. You can tell the difference between the way they were playing without Jalen Brown and the way they're playing now. It's a substantial difference. Yes, they were still succeeding, but not to the level they are now. Jalen Brown truly is one of the most consistent players in this league. He doesn't really have bad games very often. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying he drops 40 every game, but he does what he's known to do. 20-some points, you know, north of five assists and about middle of five, six rebounds a game. That's what you would expect out of Jalen Brown because that's how consistent he is. He's not somebody that you look at as a superstar at the guard position, but he would be a starter on any team in the league. 
He's just that good, and he's consistent, and that's why you can rely on a guy like him. Whereas I personally don't know how well Derek White is doing compared to the stats that he was putting up in San Antonio. Not that he was a star over there, but I think that he's been a little more inconsistent in Boston than he was in San Antonio. And I think that Boston, just to make that much better of a case, could use a little of his help. Some games he's been there playing not too bad. I think he led an assist in one of the games this series, but still, you know what I mean? But the fact that they're winning the series against, what, my opinion, the second-best team in the NBA going into the playoffs shows they belong here very much so. They don't have players doing what Jimmy Butler's doing, three games under 10 points in the first four. That's unacceptable. So that just tells me that Boston is a better disciplined, and they just want it more. Better, better disciplined team, and they just want it more. And that's just based off what I'm seeing. But what do I know? I'm just a watcher. If Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown stay consistently hot, they will win the championship. No questions asked. Simple as that. And I'll touch on that a little bit once I'm finished with the other series as well. Moving on to Golden State and Dallas. It was a 3-0 series up until two nights ago. Golden State came out of the gates hot. First game, they had seven players over 10 points. I think they had two players that were at 10 points, one of them being Kevin Looney and the other being Otto Porter, and everybody else was north of 14, I think. That's good freaking basketball. And they held... Dallas to only four players over double-digit points. No wonder they blew them out of the water in game one. Games two and three, it was a little closer. But at the same time, Dallas wasn't really bringing it. Except I will give it to Dallas. In game three, they had seven players score over ten points, but it just wasn't enough to defeat the Warriors. I think it's the matter of how many players scored how many points in terms of where Golden State had seven in the first game, Dallas had seven in the third game, but it's the caliber and the impact of those seven. I personally think that if Golden State is going to win this series and going to move on and I think it's pretty obvious that they're going to win this series, but I think if they're going to move on and have success in the finals, I personally think we need to see more consistency out of Klay Thompson and Jordan Poole. Yes, they've been putting up the necessary numbers, but if you look at where they were in previous series, especially Jordan Poole when Curry was out, you give Jordan Poole the right amount of minutes, he should be able to produce, and he's not doing it every game. Some games he's only putting up 12 and 14 points. That's not bad, but we know Jordan Poole to just be randomly dropping 25-plus almost every game that he plays over north of 25 minutes because he's like that. Klay Thompson, he'll either give you 40 or 12. But, hey, if the Mavericks takes this series to Game 6, Game 6, Klay is shutting it down. Golden State's winning. Everybody knows about Game 6 Clay. It's one of the best NBA players ever is Game 6 Clay. I'll admit it. I was wrong about the Dallas Mavericks. For those that have been listening, you remember a couple of weeks ago I mentioned, maybe even more in more than one episode, that I don't think 
Dallas will succeed if Luka is the only one doing something. I can't sit here and say that I know of any other player that has been consistently doing well on the Mavericks other than Luka Doncic. And they're still succeeding. So I was wrong. The Mavericks can do it without Luka. Well, not without Luka, but in spite of Luka's success as, or with Luka's success, I guess would be the right way to say it. Having Luka carry the team, they still can, apparently. But, on the contrary, no team in NBA history has come back from a 0-3 deficit. So, I don't see these Dallas Mavericks being the team to break that record. It's great that they won Game 4. And if they win Game 5, like I said, Game 6, Clay is going to shut it down. But I think just based on the consistency we've seen out of Curry this series and a couple other players as well, I just don't see Dallas pulling it out. So in my opinion, this is my personal prediction of what will happen. I think Boston and Golden State Warriors is your NBA Finals. And I'm taking Boston in either six or seven games. And here's why. If you look at the teams that Boston has played in the playoffs this year, I think the one that impresses me most would be the Milwaukee Bucks. They have arguably the most dominant player in the NBA, and they were able to shut him down and win the series. They were able to get it done. Yes, it went to Game 7, but you look at every game that was played, the games that the Celtics lost, they did not lose by a lot of points. The only game that they lost by a decent amount of points would be Game 1. They lost by 22 points. No, 12 points. I'm sorry. So they lost by 12 points. Then they won Game 2. Game 3, they lost by 2 points. Then they win Game 4. Game 5, they lost by 3 points. Then they win Game 6 and 7. The only game that they lost by double digits was Game 1, and that was only 12 points. And for those that know, Tracy McGrady showed us that you could score more than 12 points in just 33 seconds. If you know, you know. I'll leave it at that. So that series really impressed me with Boston. It really showed me how versatile they can be as a team. And yes, the Bucks did not have Chris Middleton. And I think that that's a huge part of why the Bucks didn't win. But at the end of the day, they didn't have Chris Middleton. That's I'm not going to say that that's a, a reason. I'm sorry. It's an excuse. That's all it is, is an excuse. It's not the reason they lost. It's just an excuse. It would have helped, that's for sure. Then you look at how well they did against the Nets. Swept them. The Nets have dangerous offensive players. I had talked about it in previous weeks. They just didn't show up. And I think that that was a result of Boston's play. And then you look here at what they've been doing to Miami over these last few weeks. Or I guess this last week or so. 10 days, whatever you want to call it. They've been doing pretty good against Miami. You look at the games that they've lost against Miami. Game 1, they only lose by 11. Then they win Game 2. Game 3, they only lose by 6. Then they win Game 4 and 5. So they're up 3-2 in the series. But this is what I'm talking about. No series, no game in all of playoffs this year has Boston lost by more than 12 points. 
They're in the third round of the playoffs, and they haven't lost a game by more than 12 points. How many other teams in the playoffs right now can say that? I, t- I genuinely believe that the Celtics make the best case for the NBA champions. I really, really do. Solely based on what I've seen. I would have never said this a month ago. Ever. I wouldn't even have thought about it. But just solely based on what I've been seeing, I don't know how I can say anything otherwise. Yes, we know that the Warriors can be really good. But they their shooting percentages are not good. They're good at shooting, but their percentages are not good. They take too many shots. It's just the way it is. Boston is going to force them to take the difficult shots, and you see what happens to the Warriors when they take difficult shots. They don't go in. There are a few that Curry and Clay and Poole are going to make because they're like that. They have it in them, but that's that. Not much more than that. We do know the Warriors that have played Curry, Clay, Draymond. They've had great track records in the playoffs. They really do. And then obviously Steve Kerr, dude's a legend. He's been in, he's won NBA Finals himself as a player and a coach on consistent basis. So, I don't know, man. I can appreciate Golden State, but I genuinely believe that right now, out of the four teams left in the game, in the in in the playoffs, Boston is the significantly better team than the other three by a mile. And that's just that. There's been a talk of a league expansion in the NBA. They want to expand and add two more cities in Seattle and Vegas. Now, my theory is that they're going to add these two teams to the Western Conference. Obviously, they're in the Western Hemisphere. Well, not the Western Hemisphere, the Western portion of the United States. But another reason that I feel this way is that they also, in the same news, had talked about potentially moving two teams to the Eastern Conference among these following three. Memphis... Minnesota, New Orleans. So two of those three, if the expansion happens, would move to the Eastern Conference. Me assuming that the two expansions would be added to the Western to give the league an even 32 teams. What would that be, 16 on each side? Yes, math is hard, I know. That's why I talk sports. So... I'd be excited. I know that people have always talked about bringing the Seattle Sonics back to the league. You know, their uniforms are iconic. You look at back at the legendary players they've had. Gary Payton, Sean Kemp, Kevin Durant was drafted by the Sonics, who later became the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, so I do think it's kind of cool that they plan on keeping OKC and adding Seattle as a new uh, expansion. So... And then Vegas, they're clearly a growing sports city. They've had the Las Vegas Aces uh, WNBA team for a while now, and they're a pretty successful franchise. I don't know that they have a whole lot of championships, but especially the young talent they have now, I cannot remember the girl's name, but she's real good. She's young, um, but she's good. You know, So I think the Vegas Aces are in good hands. And then obviously you got the Raiders that moved to Vegas, and they're doing well. You know, and then now you're potentially adding an NBA team. Vegas is growing into a sports city for sure. So I would be curious to see how they handled the expansion draft just to see how 
it goes in comparison to you look at like the NHL when they did their last two expansion drafts with the Vegas Golden Knights and which may I mention as a side note have been successful since they've entered the NHL which is a the result of a faulty expansion draft but nonetheless another successful team in the city of Las Vegas um and then the Seattle Kraken who they handled the expansion draft a lot better um, so it was two very different drafts in just a matter of a few years apart. So I'm curious to see if, um, how it would go with the NBA and how they would manage that, uh, expansion draft with those teams there. That about wraps it up for the NBA. So we're going to go ahead and move on to the next biggest thing, the NHL playoffs. We are now into the divisional round. One of them is already over to my surprise. Again, as I've said earlier, for those of you that have listened before, you may remember that I had mentioned that Florida Panthers are my favorite to win the cup. Well, that is no longer the case. Despite being the best team in hockey still, in my opinion, they got swept by their Florida neighbors, Tampa Bay Lightning. This is something that in conversations with my father... I have come to find that is known as the curse of the president's trophy. And it lives on. It is on a hot streak of the last eight years. The winner of the president's trophy either gets knocked out in the first or second round of playoffs. The last time that didn't happen was in 2013 and the Chicago Blackhawks won the president's trophy and the Stanley Cup. But even going back into the 20th century, the President's President's Trophy curse is well known among NHL fans. And it does indeed live on once again this year. Colorado is currently up 3-2 on the St. Louis Blues. Edmonton up 3-1 on the Calgary Flames, the Battle of Alberta. And the New York Rangers are tied with the Carolina Hurricanes. In the most recent game between Colorado and St. Louis, which would have been Wednesday evening, May 25th, Nathan McKinnon played very good hockey, knocking a hat-trick, yet still lost 4-3. to I apologize. Losing 5-4 to to the St. Louis Blues. I genuinely believe that the rest of the Avalanche should have performed a little better and they should have been able to close that series out there and win it 4-1. to But that just goes to show you that some of the other good players on the Avalanche, like Kale McCarr, and Nadim, I can never remember his last name. They just didn't show up. They didn't perform to the fullest. The team as a whole just didn't put their best effort forward. St. Louis did. That's why they won the game. You would think that getting a hat-trick out of a player in the divisional round of the playoffs would be enough, but it's not, unfortunately. And that's what makes it so much fun. And that's what I've mentioned in past weeks before, is that hockey is, you know, sports... They're, it's very competitive. You've had a couple of series sweeps. You know, Boston swept the Nets. Tampa Bay swept, swept Florida. Colorado swept Nashville. But 
you look at past years, there's a lot more sweeps and 4-1 series wins than we've seen this year. The number of Game 7s we've seen in just the first and second round of these playoffs so far is fantastic. I love it. It's great for sports, entertainment purposes and all. So I do think Colorado will win the series. I do think that they're a very good team, and I think they have what it takes to win the series. Um, but I definitely think that St. Louis uh, puts up a good fight and makes a good case to potentially make it on to the conference finals. Looking at Edmonton and Calgary. Connor McDavid has been playing out of his mind. We've seen some of the best hockey out of him in the last weeks that we've seen out of the NHL in years. I mean, there are very few players that are able to do what McDavid has been doing. Nutmegging and 360 through the legs on a regular basis. If you follow ESPN or NHL or anything like that on Instagram, I can guarantee you've seen multiple highlights from McDavid in the last week because the kid is unbelievably talented. And I have a bold take here for you guys. I think that by the time he retires, if he stays healthy, Connor McDavid will go down as a top three NHL player ever. Oh, I cannot wait for the hate I'm going to get for that one. But I stand by it. This kid has played consistently for the last three years. And if anything, he's only getting better. And I have a very interesting statistic for you haters that don't believe in what I believe. And here is a very nice statistic for you. The most points through 11 games in a playoff year. Connor McDavid is now fourth on that list behind only Wayne Gretzky and Mario Lemieux. Some of the best to ever put their hands on a stick to put their skates on the ice. And two of those three is both Wayne Gretzky in 83 and 85. Technically, McDavid is tied for fourth with Mark Messier and Rick Middleton, but still. I mean, look at how young this kid is. And look at how much success he's had. I mean, you got you to agree with me in some aspect of it. The kid's definitely going to be top five, top ten. I'm making a bold take that he goes top three all time. If he keeps this up and stays healthy, there's absolutely no doubt about it. And I will stand by it for the rest of my life. In the last series here, the New York Rangers and the Carolina Hurricanes. Now, I haven't watched this series too much uh, because I just don't have a lot of, uh, what's the word, connection to either team. You know, Colorado, I'm a big fan of Nathan McKinnon. He's another one that's fantastic up there with Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid in extremely young, talented players. Uh, and then Tampa Bay and Florida, obviously I live in Florida, so I'm a little connected to it, but I also, Tampa Bay beat my Leafs, we're not going to talk about it, we just aren't, I'm not even going to get into it, the Leafs are the Leafs, and they pulled the Leafs, typical move, that's it, moving on, um, and then my Stanley Cup favorite, you know, so I was watching that series as well, and then Edmonton and Calgary, obviously I have 
high hopes for McDavid, and he's so fun to watch. So I've been watching a little bit of that. But other than maybe Artemi Panarin and uh, Giordano on Carolina or Calgary, I'm sorry. Oh, no, I'm tripping. I'm thinking of a whole nother series. Try this again. Other than Artemi Panarin and maybe Sebastian Ajo or Evgeny Sivnetsky's Russian last name, there's really not any players that I find myself wanting to watch in that series. But, again, like I mentioned, there is still one question that arises in my head, and that's, have we been more so surprised by the Rangers or disappointed by the Hurricanes? Because as far as I'm concerned, the Hurricanes were one of the better teams in hockey going into the playoffs. So I don't know that I see them being tied to a team like the New York Rangers. That's just my opinion. And of course, Igor Shesterkin is one of the best goalies in hockey right now. So I can totally understand why the Rangers are a pretty good team. They have de- decent defensemen, Adam Fox, so on and so forth. Uh, Alexis Lafreniere has been really stepping up to the plate lately. He was a bit of a bust to start, but now he's been playing a little better here and there, not consistently. Obviously, Artemi Panarin's really good, so on and so forth. Rangers, I'm not saying they don't belong here. Mika Zibanejad, love him too. Not saying they don't belong here, but... I don't think we expected them to be holding their ground with the Carolina Hurricanes because the Carolina Hurricanes, in my opinion, were one of the better teams in hockey. Have been for a couple years because of their defensive presence balanced with their offense. They're a very balanced team. So I ask you hockey fans that are keeping up with everything, are we more so surprised by the New York Rangers or disappointed by the Carolina Hurricanes? Let me know. Now, i got a surprising segment here for you guys. I want to go over a couple other sports very briefly. No huge stories. Um, there is one in the football league over in Europe that I find interesting. Um, not everybody knows this, but I'm a bit of a, a PSG fan, a Paris Saint-Germain fan. Um, and Mbappe, I was a fan of his before you know Neymar and Messi made their way over there. You know, I didn't really follow those that are going to hate me soccer too much but Mbappe I've always liked PSG solely just based on their colors and I even own a pair of uh Jordan brand sweatpants that are PSG you know what I mean I've just liked them and they, they have a pair of Jordan 4s that I kind of like um that are PSG as well so I don't know I've just kind of been a fan of PSG and I don't really know why I just have um but Mbappe's always been really fun to watch and Last week, there was a pretty big story that broke out saying that Mbappe was going to, once his contract was up with PSG, he was going to go to Real Madrid. Um, And at the last moment, he decided that he's going to stay with PSG. And to me, I like that because, like I, excuse me, like I said, I liked Mbappe before Neymar and Messi were there. And I like PSG and the two together is like PB&J. Love it. So I just want to go over real quick over some of the reasons as to what made him choose to stay, um, the critical moments that led to his decision. Uh, You look at the pursuit. A lot of higher-ups in the French government um, were calling out to Mbappe. Uh, The French president, Emmanuel Macron, who asked him to stay. He received messages from some of the most powerful men in France, all of them asking the same thing, please stay in France. Real Real Madrid's dream. They wanted 
Mbappe at a very young age. They were trying to sign him since he was 11 years old, making several recruitment pushes in 2011, 2016, 2017, 2021, and again this year over the past 12 years. Um, in the end, the French club needed him to stay. PSG needed him. Uh, the Doha-based ownership couldn't bear the thought of not having the biggest star playing for them while Qatar hosted the World Cup this summer. To think about you know, what they've done over the years and to lose somebody as big as Mbappe before the World Cup would be horrible. And Mbappe got the keys to Paris Saint-Germain. They signed him on a contract until 2025. He is 23 years old, my age. And he is now the highest paid player in the world. He received a three-year contract and a salary of 57 million pounds with various bonuses worth up to another 100 million pounds over 3 years of the deal. I'm going to let you look up how much that much how much that is in American dollars in US dollars. I'm going to let you be the one to do that cuz I want to know what your reaction is when you see it. And that's all I'm going to say on that aspect. But the most important aspect of Mbappe's decision was not financial. He has a say on his choice of manager being the coach of the soccer team, sporting director, probably players on the squad as well. Mbappe wanted to be the face, head, and the heart of the PSG project, and they've cleared a path so he can be just that. Mbappe didn't want to work with Leonardo anymore, and on Saturday night, PSG told the sporting director he was sacked. Sources told ESPN that it's increasingly likely that Mauricio Ponchettino will be sacked as well. Clearly they're committed to keeping Mbappe if they're willing to get rid of some of their staff because they want Mbappe so bad. So I can understand it. I can appreciate it. And another thing that got Mbappe to stay is that some of the future potential teammates, for those of you that follow soccer... Um, keep an eye on some names. Um, Osumain Dembele is out of his contract in Barcelona this summer, and suddenly the possibility of joining his best friend, a very good friend of his, Mbappe in Paris, is a very interesting proposition. Uh, Paul Pogba. Pogba is a very, a very good player. He's in the same category, considering the change to form something special with his France teammates closer to home. So... There's a lot of good things that are going into this here. I was personally, I was a little frightened when I saw the notification about Mbappe going to Real Madrid because, like I said, I'm not the biggest soccer fan. I don't follow it super deeply. But one thing that I know, I've always known for, I'd say, the last six or seven years is that I like Mbappe and I like PSG. And it kind of sucked. to That would kind of be like, you're not the biggest football fan, but... You kind of like the Seattle Seahawks, and you like Russell Wilson, and then you get the news about him going to Denver. The only contrary is that that actually happened, and but that's how it would feel, you know? Um, so, I don't know. I'm really excited to hear that he's staying and to know that they have big plans for the future because if they're willing to base it all on one person, you know, they're definitely, they have other things in mind as well, and... Having superstars like Neymar and Messi on the team, I'm sure that they know that there's not a guarantee that they'll be able to keep those guys on contract in Paris forever. 
you know, so um, they're definitely committed to Mbappe and also looking towards some other players as well that have good relationship with Mbappe to potentially build a, a good chemistry with them. So I just thought that was a cool story. I thought it was interesting. Um, some of you may feel otherwise. That's fine. Um, another Cedric here, very, very quick segment on the NFL. Um, there was a rumor that, uh, uh, a few posts from media that went out saying that Colin Kaepernick will be working out with the Las Vegas Raiders this week. Um, I find it interesting. I don't know that, uh, he'll be making his return into the league. Obviously we've, we've heard of him having other workouts in the past, but, um, not too many. And, you know, he is starting to age a little bit and who knows what he still has in the tank. I know he's still been working out because of the hope to potential to play in the league. But, um, I do think that part of the reason he hasn't been playing is his doing. I think it was his choice because I know that obviously the whole, uh, situation that he left the league for, you know, the whole knee thing and, equal justice and all that stuff that, uh, injustice, I'm sorry, um, that he's really fighting for. And he didn't agree with the, a lot of the league's policies and that made him leave. And I understand that. And a lot of teams didn't want that around them. So it is what it is, but, um, we potentially could see the return of Colin Kaepernick here. I just find it very interesting. So, um, I'll keep an eye on that story and I think you guys should too. Now, Before we wrap things up, you guys, um, I wanted to save this for the end of the episode because I didn't want to ruin the mood of the episode in the beginning. Um, but I do, I do genuinely believe that it's something that should be addressed. Um, and for those of you that want to turn the podca- podcast off here, be my guest. Um, and just so you know in advance, I'm going to be discussing some of the shootings that have been happening in the country. So just so you know the context, if you choose not to listen, if it's something that you're just tired of hearing about, I can fully understand that and appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in, um, and I will see you next week. But for those that choose to stay, I'm not going to go on forever about it. I'm not going to get into the political views about everything. I'm just going to speak my opinion where I stand on it, and I'm going to tell you why. First things first, um, I cannot even begin to understand or imagine what these families could be going through um, to lose their their children or even for some people, their mothers and fathers as the teachers um, at such young ages. I could never even begin to act as if I understand. All I can do is send my condolences, thoughts, and prayers um, because that's all I'm capable of. But one more thing that I am capable of is talking about it, and that's why I'm doing it here on the podcast. I know that it's not really sports related, and I know that there have been a lot of big things said by sports figures. Steve Kerr having a really heartfelt uh, words to say in the press conference before Game 4, um, and I really do agree with everything he said. You know, um, and then players like Demarcus Lawrence, the Demarcus Lawrence, the edge on Dallas, he's looking to potentially start some kind of fund. Um, to upgrade school security systems. And it's really, really, really unfortunate that it's going to have to come to that. You know, I definitely, I, I feel that there should be some sort of, of evaluation that you have to go through and you have to pass in order to even get in possession of firearms. I do believe that owning a firearm in this country is way too easy. It shouldn't be easier to get your hands on a firearm than it is to get your hands on uh, marijuana. 
you know, you look at certain things where you have to get in some states, it's illegal. You have to get medical cards, but I could walk to a gun store and 10 minutes later, walk out with a firearm. That's not okay. And I don't know why that's a thing. Um, another personal view on things. I don't understand any need for any assault rifles. I don't think anything more than hunting rifles, simple 12 gauges, which could be technically in the category of hunting rifles and small handguns should be the only thing that you should even be allowed to purchase as a citizen. There should not be even the ability to purchase assault rifles as citizens. I don't know why anybody would even begin to argue what I just said. What could potentially be your excuse? And if you say it's to protect yourself, you're an idiot. There's absolutely no excuse people should be able to buy assault rifles. Here's a disgusting statistic for you. This was on May 24th. So today being May 26th. Today is today, May 26th, the 146th day of the year 2022. The Uvalde school shooting is the 212th mass shooting of the year 2022. The fact that there are more mass shootings in this year, we're not even six months in, than there are days in the year. Why has there been no addressing by the government officials? The, I just, I, I can't even begin to understand. And it bothers me so much because the unfortunate truth is how many more times is this going to have to happen for something to actually get done? Is 212 in 146 days not enough? Do we need to talk about how many lives were lost too? I mean, I don't understand. At the end of the day, I'm not going to get too worked up about it as if I haven't already. And I'm going to really quick just touch on why I brought it up in this episode. Looking at the way things go in this country... I find it ironic that the first words of our Constitution are, we the people. And someone that I hold close to me said that because it's more so them the greedy. I agree. They only work on what benefits them and their 1% and their whatever. I genuinely do not believe that politicians care about the common population because I haven't seen it in my lifetime. Plain and simple. Other people have different views. That's fine. But I feel like politics is a joke nowadays. Long story short, problems don't get solved until too many people are talking about it. If you look at the Black Lives Matter movement, movement, look at how much talk and conversation and controversy it took for things to actually change, for things to get done. And I won't even say that the problems are solved yet. But just for people to start following the movement and start appreciating and understanding, look at how much, how much social media and how much marketing and media attention it took for that to get the attention it needed. So clearly, in this country, things only matter if they're on a mass stage at a, at, in a large attention value. So, you know, if only one or two shootings was happening a month, and this is from the perspective of our lawmakers, just so you know, 
it doesn't matter until it's on a international stage to where everyone is seeing it. I'm embarrassed to be an American citizen because of what we look like to other countries. We look like psychopaths because we let these things happen and nothing gets done. We are the only country in the world with more than t with double digit shootings and at that we have tri triple digit 288 212 just in this year. Every other country in the world has less than 10. I, I I'm done. I'm not going to do this to you guys. You come here for sports. But at the end of the day, long story short, the only thing that makes change is getting this getting these things talked about. So I'm taking my platform and what I do is talk. So I'm going to talk about the problem because to create more attention, like I mentioned, the only way things get changed or acknowledged is when they have enough attention. Oh, it's big enough. Now we'll address the problem. So I just want you guys to understand that I didn't talk about it because I felt like it. I talked about it because it felt like the right thing to do because it'll only get addressed if it's talked about. Other than that, you guys, that wraps it up for this week's episode 26. I did promise you a longer episode. This one is longer than a vast majority of my recents. Coming up next week, we will have even more exciting content in terms of the NBA, NHL, and maybe even other stories in other sports. Who knows? Uh, we'll be moving on to potentially could be in the NBA Finals by next week and could be moving on to the Conference Finals of the NHL considering one series is already over, one series is on the verge of one game away, same with another, and one is only two games away. So, a lot to come. I apologize if I killed the mood. Um, hit us up on socials if you have anything to say, if you want to reach out to me, um, whatever you, you feel. Um, and I will see you next week for episode 27. Peace out. Uh, a little song we can ride into. Me and bro with a vibe or two. Uh, doing shit that I'm not into. To the beat that I'm not into. A little bit of guidance. Getting rough, but we never really fight in. And these words in my mind could have ride in. Had to learn that this ain't over. Okay. I like it. A little song we can ride into. Me and bro with a vibe or two. I fly like the Emirates. Try to be smooth when I'm talking my shit, but my flow is so ignorant. Niggas not getting it like my Antandras. I can stack it in slow and then double it. Speed of this shit, I can triple it. Whatever I do to my masterpiece, better me. Niggas is feeling it. I walked into school on my first day on campus. New from the jump, I can't have this. Went to the stool and start cooking some magic. I said I cannot be average. I wasted so much of my time in class and then I start playing that Madden. Imagine I started my grind three years ago. Who would